0: I just realized I was getting paid, but nothing was left at the end of the month. And I went, where is the money going?
1: Welcome to Pizza and Palm Wine. We are your hosts, Pina
0: and
2: Maureen. What pizza and palm wine, you may ask?
1: Well, because it's an odd mix, just like us. We were born and raised in Italy, but our roots are from Ghana, West Africa.
2: So what happens when you pair a slice of pizza with palm wine, Pina?
1: Well, good conversations happen. The kinds that will make you laugh and cry at the same time. Also,
2: the kinds you are honest and showcase our vulnerability. Here, we share the good, the bad, and the ugly of our multicultural upbringing.
1: We have so much to talk about, so Chalet, grab your calabash, you slice the pizza, and let's go! Welcome, guys! Welcome back to Pizza & Palm Wine. We are your host, Pina and Winnie. Welcome, welcome. So, today's episode, it's all about dish money. We're going to be talking about money and the concept of money in the Ghanaian community. There's been a lot of talk about financial literacy and, you know, um, savings and all of that. And courtesy of Winnie, we have a very special guest with us today.
0: Small oh, special.
2: We'll Dr. A, let me let's, me. Be, let's put some respect on it. Yes, if we have the applause, oh. of that, we'll put it in for you. In for you. <laughs>
0: Thank you. I, mean, <laughs> I feel like it. I need to specialize. I need to um, make this clear that I'm a cardiac physiologist. So I'm not a doctor of doctor. It's You know, I'm not a doctor of medicine. I'm a doctor of cardiology. So, oh, wait, girl, what's the difference? Oh, that's- I'm a doctor. I'm specialized in cardiac devices, heart rhythm management, pacemaker, ICDs. But, um, it's, yeah.
2: to me. <laughs> <It's Yeah>. no, <laughs> Please. That's a specialization, right? Yeah, it's a specialization, so thank you. I just wanted to specialize Irene Beidou is well-deserved. Irene
0: (laughs) Beidou sounds sounds well.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, Winnie, so do you want to tell us something about Dr. Irene Beidou?
2: Yes, um, it's such a pleasure to have um, Dr. Irene Beidou. Thank you. On the line today. Um, so a bit of background, uh, since we're talking about multiculturalism and sort of how our cultures mix up, um, I'll, I'll, let Irene, um, introduce herself, but Irene and I have known each other in Italy, um, and actually our backgrounds have been quite interesting and I might even say diverse in just how, you know, um, we were brought up and things like that, but, uh, a common feature that we both have is our love for... Um, knowledge and really setting ourselves up in in our conversations, I know that Irene has um, a different perspective about money that I think um, in our communities, um, me being Ghanaian and she being Ghanaian as well and being brought up in Italy, um, which she's got a different perspective that I think should be the dominant perspective, but let's hear wow. what she has to say um today. And and then hopefully um we can also sort of take some tips out of it, but also learn um about the different ways that we see money in general in our in our various cultures. So I'm very excited to hear um Irene's background with with money and if she can share that money with us as well that would be amazing oh
1: my god did you just say share money with us
2: <laughs> that is the culture thing isn't it so we can't we can't have a cult, we can't have a money conversation without <laughs> <doing> <laughs> <a fun. laughs>
0: Wow, that's that's really kind of you, Winnie. Really, really kind of you. Thank you. I'm quite humbled by that. Um, so I was born in Ghana, but my my dad moved before And then we moved with my mom and my sister. I moved with my mom and sister when I was about six to Italy. And I've always um, I used to live in Puerto and I've always been not part of Italy till um about 10 years ago, actually. When I moved to UK, it was august 2011 that's when i moved to italy and then i've been just in midlands for most of the time
1: and then in terms of money what has your relationship been with money or being like uh, growing up growing up okay so i think when i was i was actually thinking about
0: this because when i was little i remember i always had this is so funny because i always had things that would really excite me and they were most of the time related to money so like even silly things like um, I'm not sure if you guys are familiar with it, but uh, the, this thing about buying the Tskalchattori Panini or Pokemon sticker books and buying the stickers. Um, it would excite me so much. So I would just go to my dad and i will be like, oh, uh, I want this. And he would be like, which is like, wait till the end of the month. So I remember that I've always waited to have money to be able to get what would um, make me happy. So I think the, the concept of delay gratification has always been there for me. My dad never really gave us pocket money, you know, he would give us what we need or what he thought we needed. So my dad was really good in providing education. So he would buy all the books listed. In Italy, you used to have a list of books and you go and, and purchase it. So he would always make sure we had that. Um, school trips, everything was always proudly sponsored by my dad but um, my dad wasn't someone that would give us like um, oh just have this pocket money to just do whatever you want you know so I, I didn't really have uh, my own um, freedom with money because obviously it was always, always very counted or like I knew exactly what I was using that money for till my first job which was um, in Italy I was about 17 or something and it was like uh, it was a nursery job, nursery nurse jobs. I would um, work with kids. Um, the pay was rubbish, absolutely rubbish. Um, but I remember that my first pay, I actually used it to buy gifts to people that I loved because I, I, I that was a fe- I just thought, you know, I wanted to celebrate this thing that you know, I was making money and everything. And then when I graduated, um, before I actually graduated, for myself myself um, a bachelor's card with a student card, a student like account, and it had an overdraft of 200 pounds. Oh boy, did I use that money. Oh. <laughs> <I> Listen,
2: thought- <laughs> we all use that precious <laughs> overdraft money. It is.
0: Because I was doing placements and everything, I had to stop my day work. So actually I couldn't really afford to pay that back. Cause as I said, my dad would always give what was needed, nothing more, nothing less. So I got myself actually in a quite bit of predicament because I couldn't afford it. And I was so naive about money at that time because I've never really had credit to anything. And I remember um, using it, thinking it was fine. Then I, And I started getting all this letter saying like, honey, you need to pay. <laughs> and that <laughs> well, was... How I
2: can... early on did they ask for the money back? Because obviously overdraft was...
0: Um... I think... I don't remember, but I definitely, definitely... Uh, made sure that it was way past my <laughs> allowance of days or whatever so they kept they started asking me about uh, for the money and stuff fortunately I had a, a bursary so I could pay it back because I wasn't because since because I moved um I moved um in 2011 in 2012 I started uni so I didn't qualify for any maintenance grant. my 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 fees were paid for me but 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 maintenance grants and everything like that, I didn't have anything. And because my dad was always giving just what I needed, I couldn't afford that 200 pounds because I wasn't working anymore. And then I got my batteries so I could pay it off. But that was actually my first kind of impact with money, thinking, you know, I could use whatever. And then I realized, actually, it doesn't work like this. It obviously went on my credit record. It definitely did. I mean, it's been 10 years now, so thank God. I think it went, the last time I checked, it wasn't there. But, I mean, I paid the consequence of £200 for 10 years. Wow, That's how crazy, that's how crazy it can get. And that's how dangerous it is. I always want people on the first year of uni, don't, don't, don't. Because I, I made that mistake. And obviously, then I graduated, I got my first job, and I blew that money. <laughs> I blew it because... Finally, I could afford it. The funny thing, it was all on on food and stuff like that, you know, but I blew it. And I was um, very much into fashion at that time, you know, like getting my hair done that week. Not even weaved, getting my hair um, straightened or, you know, all the nice things you could do. um, Clothing, because, you know, we Italian people like to look good. (laughs) Yes. Um, I just realized I was getting paid, but nothing was left at the end of the month. And I went. Where is the money going? I didn't even realize. You know, I'll be at the end of the month with nothing left. I did because my my uh, mindset at that time was, let me just use what I need, and then at the end of the month, whatever's left, I'm going to save it. But there was none left at the end of the month. And um, the turn, like the the moment where I was like, hang on, let me just start researching and. Um, getting confident with how I spend my money because it got to the point where I'd, whenever I got my was like oh my god what should I do with it because I knew it was gonna go and I was almost I paid my rent blah blah blind and then I was like I don't know what to do can I afford this can I not because I've never had a budget I never I didn't know my outgoings I was just leaving literally paycheck by paycheck mm-hmm. so um I remember that for some crazy idea, I said, Oh, uh, I would really like to afford a house. I want to go buy a house. And I went with my broke, broke, broke bank account <laughs> to Halifax. I will never forget that. And the child was like, um, Have you got a deposit? I was like, No. Have you got a good credit score? But bear in mind, I've just had that um, credit cap thing going on. It's like, No. And it's like, So, what are, you doing here?
1: <laughs> what
0: are you doing here? And I remember <laughs> turning around like this. <laughs> okay thank you and that but that really helped me because I realized like a I didn't have my financing checked and it didn't it didn't matter how much money I was making because I felt like I was making good money finally and they were all mine because my dad never took any money from me um but I didn't have at the end of the month I didn't have any money left so that was the turning point for me I think that's when I was like let me inform myself about money and um and see if where
1: i can go so that's my background <laughs> okay oh my god there's so many layers of this um, oh, yeah, yeah i'll definitely want to get into how you, you got um, more educated into the stock market but taking a step back so do you think that growing up did you have a sense of what a budget was like did you because you said that your your dad always the relationship that you had with with money was partly based on the way your dad treated money which was you get money for the, the things that you essentially need right mm-hmm. so which i think is good like still, i still i do think it's still a good principle and also you'll mention delayed gratification which is like essential right but it seems to me that some of the lessons were not entirely carried through in your adulthood was it too much restrictions that uh, you think that yeah at, at the end of the day when you when you grew up yeah when I grow up I would I just want to just spend my money on however I want is that was that your feeling
0: yeah definitely I think obviously as you said it was good that my dad um selected what he thought was essential for us and it was good that whatever we asked, my dad would always wait at least a week, you know, to give us whatever we, unless it was an emergency, obviously. Mm -hmm. Um, But so it was good from that point of view, because I always knew that I could wait and then I would get what I wanted. The only issue I think was the restriction of it, and the fact that I wasn't made um, aware of maybe my dad's intention, you know. So I think definitely had, my dad viewed it as a way of educating us about, um, being patient, um, st- still sticking to something you want. Because, I mean, there were a lot of things I would ask him. And if and if he hadn't given it to me in a week, I'll probably forget. So, you know, it, it was probably a tactic that he was also using to make sure I wasn't getting, we were not getting everything we wanted. Uh, but it would have been good if it was an educational thing. So we were made more active in this um, way of managing money because I remember I asked my dad once I was like because he always said so I asked him once was because I didn't even know (laughs) and I was like it's the end of the month when I get paid I'll give you blah 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 or next week whatever um but apart from that apart from the time frame so apart from giving us a time frame frame of when we we were going to get whatever we asked we were not um educated on um maybe even you know like um what his outgoings were. But obviously it's a big taboo in an African family. I mean, up to now, I don't know how much grown ups in my life make. This part is not the same because they will ask you very easily how much you make, but it's not, (laughs) it's not the same. The other way, it's not the the same, you know, I I didn't know how much my dad was making and very naively as as a child, I thought I was just like everybody, every other kid. So whatever was, in fashion at that moment which unfortunately in Italy there was always something that every kid had you know and I remember that was always the last one to get it by the time I had it maybe it wasn't even that popular anymore but um obviously my dad also didn't sit down with me ask me you know why do you want this because he obviously used his own method of identifying whatever was important and provided that to me which was lovely and caring but probably because we were growing up in a different culture and we what we thought was essential to fit in. I mean, it probably wasn't essential because I grew up fine. I'm all right. But um, at that time, it was, I remember that for me personally, it was everything. Like when I wanted the East Park backpack, it was everything, like everything. I remember once my hair was due for... um, straight what do you call it now retouchment retouching and uh, my dad said oh next week so he loved that <laughs> he was saying his week" for everything I remember crying because for me it was essential to go to school with my hair straight looking in a certain way but for him it wasn't do you know what I mean so I think it would have been good to have that type of communication so if if he did I would have seen where he was coming from I would have appreciated the educational part of it
2: yeah it's not even i don't think you really wanted to know what the booster paga said but it's more so an understanding that um he wanted to include you in the process Mm. of decision making and why maybe it's a week and and not you know this week and it's as simple as saying you know um this is what we budgeted for for this week, and this is and this is how much we're going to spend, sort of thing. And I think my next question is actually: Do you think that your parents um, had a sense of budget, um, oh. um, and where do you think their priorities lie? I think um, I, my
0: dad definitely was very smart with the way he he managed his resources. I I definitely admire him for that and I I think there was definitely a budget. I I remember clearly seeing my dad sometimes picking all his paperwork, sitting down, writing things down. Um, Obviously as a classic Ghanaian family the priorities will be because obviously my dad helped some of his brothers to come over to Europe and stuff so That was probably a priority for him. And then obviously building the house back home in Ghana. You know, the usual is the classic, classic African family um, kind of priority. I mean, I'm being really honest now. I know my dad will never listen to this. I'm fine. I used to make it up sometimes. I'd be like, oh, give me five euros for for the museum. I was in classroom, but I knew that
2: was the only way to get the money nothing else so I've got a question about that then do you think that pocket money would have been beneficial to you um growing up
1: Mm,
2: and maybe at what age yeah I
0: think yeah obviously at an early stage of my life so when we moved I was seven six um probably no I didn't need that to be honest um I think At that age, probably, it it would be good for the parent to still have the money and say, you know what? For this year, we're giving you extra, let's say, £100. And uh, whenever you need something, go and think about it. Think about it and come and um, explain to me why it's really important to you. And then we can see what we can do. You know, It's, it's a good way to introduce the concept of banking because when you grow up, you you go to the bank you get your money but also the fact that um you need to wait you need to budget you need to prioritize because this is what you have and that's it and then when you get to a stage maybe early teenage years where you go out with friends and stuff i think it would be good to actually give the money to the um, the child with the children or whatever Uh, but um give them also um, a limit on how much you give them. Because I think a limit is very important, okay? Because at the end of the day, you're going to have a limit on your income when you grow up. (laughs) Um, But also maybe um, have them have some side job if they can, even in the house, working for the uncles and aunties and getting paid really nothing, but understanding how you trade your time for money at an early stage. Because I think it changes everything once you realise that. Because a lot of people go, oh, I'm not going to invest or I've never I've never um, traded before. We trade our time for money every time. When you go to the office and you clock in at nine, you're trading time for money. So we all trade. We all trade. And, and it's an important thing to understand. Or you could even tell your child, OK, I've got £100, which is yours. If you don't use it for six months, I'll put an extra £50 on it. You're teaching them interest. You're teaching them dividend in a very basic way. You're teaching them how to invest in the long term and delay gratification, which is very important mm-hmm. in life. But in everything, not just in money, you know, sometimes you have to wait for things. Um, yeah, so I think if if I had that dynamic going on with my dad, with my family um, growing up, it would have been different. But um, I knew I wasn't the only one. I mean, I've not, I personally, I've not heard about any... Um, any of my uh, Ghanaian friends telling me oh we had you know this kind of dynamic going on it's very common which is funny actually because I was talking to Henry last time Henry's my flatmate my, my husband
1: <laughs> that's how you call them
0: my flatmate my housemate Person
2: <laughs> <laughs> that you share a house with yes <laughs>
0: Um, But he used to have pocket money.
1: Hmm. And
0: I've talked to a lot of guys, they used to have pocket money, or the concept of pocket money was introduced earlier to them. And um, that's interesting, obviously. I mean, I'm not shocked, that's that's, that's typical. There's a a lot of discrimination between um, male and female, unfortunately, genders. But um, it would be interesting to know, actually, why they were doing that. Because obviously, he had pocket money,
2: I never had it. Yeah. It's an interesting concept pocket money. And I think that um this thing that you mentioned about trading, right? Trading your time for um for money and earning money. I was thinking realistically, even our mindset about that is different in our culture. So what I remember is that your money was owned. By your parents. Let's say for my birthday, right? I've got kids that I teach now who for their birthday would get like a hundred pounds and they put it in their piggy bank, right? Or they have money. Like they would say, you know, I spent my money on this, and I'm like, how did you get the money? And they'd say, um, I did the gardening or I cleaned all of that stuff. Now think about your typical Saturday in a Ghanaian home. Where you've walking up and tools are waiting for you. You would be rich by that
1: It's paying you. Nobody gets paid. Like even like the concept of getting like Irene introduced this right the the the, the concept of uh, of getting your your time's worth right. But I, it boggles my mind actually to to have a, my Ghanaian mom like listen to the, this podcast. It's like, what do you mean get paid for washing dishes?
2: You mean yeah, I'm not giving paid. that to you? <laughs> yeah, because yes, any extra money right goes to the overall central bank, which is your parents' bank, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. and and so I think that to some extent we are coming from immigrant parents, right? Who had to make sure that the last penny counted towards something. Yeah. So you, as a child, were almost seen as part of. You are an expense as a child. Mm-hmm. Isn't it? Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. You're not now going to pay the expense extra money. I think now that we, in our generation of people who were here in in the UK, they may have had a different experience. For example, because maybe financially their parents were even more established mm-hmm. than that was. But I think um, for us who grew up in Italy, um, the the trading of time for money would never have been a reality for us which then meant that we were always at the mercy of our parents knowledge around money but also their control over money and it's interesting that you said this thing about their priorities being supporting people coming in and building houses and gun etc and that when you got your first pay at 17 you bought gifts for other people so to what extent do you feel ownership over your money in the sense that if you didn't give some to your community do you feel for not even fulfilled do you feel like this money is not quite mine still
0: yeah. <clears throat> I think this this is actually a good point because when someone in Ghana is rich for example so it's quite wealthy or you can see that financially they're quite independent they've got a responsibility towards the community okay okay while well, in the Western world, it's a capitalistic environment where if you make money, it's yours. You deserve it. First of all, you don't own any explanation to anyone. So you don't have to explain how you made your money, how much, how much money you make. You don't have to. I mean, you could be loaded and just wearing a top from Primark. Nobody will judge you. Say, Oh, you got so much money. Why are you wearing this? But in the um Ghanaian community, even African, because I've, I've been I've been talking to people, when you are rich, you're supposed to first of all show it because it's a social thing, it's a social status, it elevates your social status um until you don't show it outside. I mean, don't get me wrong, money is something that brings up your social status everywhere. I mean, if someone is wealthy sometimes naturally they do get more respected they get more validated in the society but i think um in um, a country where economically we are still struggling um affording certain things which can even be basic like having a car it sets you apart so much from other people that you almost need to show it so that you get that respect so there's the culture that unfortunately hasn't died of where if people, um, people who have traveled to, to Europe and they go back to Ghana, they are called boggers. And boggers have a particular trait in it. They, 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 they are wearing that golden chain or whatever. They've got the car, they, they sit at the restaurants. They're the one paying for drinks. So they are showing it. And it's a way to validate their status but that comes with also like you you need to give back to your um community society otherwise you are stingy you are mean you don't appreciate where you are coming from god will not bless you which is even more dangerous for me yeah. you know so yes definitely when i i remember when i got my first paycheck i mean i gave back to people that definitely gave to me first okay um but maybe yeah maybe because I, I, I always have this thing that I think whatever I'm given I've got the responsibility if I can to give back and um it could be a social thing it could be because but that's what we do you know you know I couldn't it's in our DNA um to be a good person you need to give back that's what you you get told since you are little you know you share with your with your cousins that are they're not even considered cousins. They're brothers. Everybody's your brother, everybody's your uncle, everybody, you know, and you, you never say no if you can. And it gets to the point where people feel entitled to come and ask you. Sometimes I've not had, I mean, I'm not saying people come to me all the time. I'm not saying this. Please don't come to me. <laughs> but what I'm saying is that people still have the courage to come and ask you for money. Um, but you would never get a cocaine, one of my let's say Caucasian friends from uni coming to me and asking for money but I've definitely had some of my black um, uni mates coming and asking me for money shamelessly so we definitely have that untold thing you know what one of my colleagues calls the black tax it
1: is yeah that's the name also <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Black tax, <laughs> you know
0: you pay those extra money here and there because this is our culture that's what we do we give back to the community And the only problem sometimes, I don't think it's a willing giving kind of, it's not, you know, you you feel like you have to do it because you don't want to be um, tagged as the mean one or the one that, you know, where do you, and the the thing that I hate when Ghanaian say, like, you know, they feel like after they ask yourself that amount of time, you need to give them money, you cannot say no. And that shouldn't be the case you know um my money is my money I traded my time my knowledge my resources for that I decide if I want to give but we don't get that choice I don't think I'm freely um free from that I don't think I'm um, free from that mentality I do sometimes feel like I need to give back
1: yeah and I think I feel like the black tax in some ways (laughs) is holding us back as a community and i definitely see that with my with my parents you know and to some extent maybe us as this as the, as the new generation maybe we are more removed from those obligations because uh before an auntie or an uncle you know ask for ask me for money they will ask my, my mom, parents right? yeah they'll ask my parents first so in a way we are protected but i do think that in the instance where my parents won't be around anymore then i will be the one doing that burden right um then i think maybe at some point we have to say no (laughs) and (laughs) it is a hard no and it will cost some some social currency definitely but at the end of the day, I think we, we, we will have to think you know progressively, right? Because also I think like in our community we have this notion that it's the child that looks after the parents. Oh, yeah, and yeah. not the other way around. I remember, I mean, it, it didn't happen to me, but I do know that um in Italy there were some parents who when the uh, when their child will start working maybe at mm-hmm. 16 or 18 then they will it is some parents will take like 90% of their paycheck <laughs> and give them 10% like like if with some girls and this how gendered it gendered is it is as well like with some girls so be like oh this is your pocket money mind you this girl has been working in the factory for like eight hours so you give up the whole money and mind you I also think that the fact that we are not allowed in a way let me just put it in quote allowed to <laughs> live on our own, you start developing financial uh, literacy yeah. if you live by yourself. Because I know that I—that's—that's that's how I learned, right, to save and to to budget. Only when I when I left home, yeah. And most of the girls are not allowed to live by themselves because you know, God forbid, if they they get pregnant. Or... <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but yeah. I think it's definitely
0: true about the fact that this cycle needs to be broken because if it did work, okay so if if if, um taking care of the entire family back home if um taking all your um children's money worked those those parents those family would be loaded by now it obviously doesn't work okay and the danger of that is people who don't realize it and they keep on um Giving into this cycle is very dangerous. You see, and um, I'm not talking. I'm not saying that giving is bad, and that's 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 not what I'm saying. But I'm saying that um, giving when you think you expected to give, so you give regardless of your income, regardless of your budget, regardless of whatever emergency you, whatever money you might need, whatever uh, regardless of your credits, is very dangerous because at that moment instead of giving as an act of love or of abundance, because, you know, you should give, I mean, I'm not saying that you should never sacrifice yourself. Sometimes it's a matter of sacrificing, but you should always give within your means. Once you're not giving within your means, what is happening is they becoming a liability to you. They're on your payroll. You are paying them. And that's very dangerous. That's, that's very dangerous because you end up exactly like them. You're, you're carrying on with that cycle. You're
2: carrying on with that cycle. I love that. I love that. Yeah. Um, yeah. So now thinking about our generation, um, whereby we may not necessarily be thinking about um, moving back to Ghana. So we may not need to butter the bread for some people over there to ensure that they can take care of our properties or Uh take care of, you know, investments that we have in Ghana, which is why I think our parents used to do that. I think there are so many other reasons, but Uh we can we can justify in that way. Um how have you looked at your forward planning in terms of um, you know, going back to Ghana, investing (coughs) here, your credit score here. and, and to what extent has your parents' um, attitude towards investing impacted you if there was any attitude towards investing? You know? mm,
0: okay. So I think, as you say, it's, it's very important to learn from them as well. So something like building a house in Ghana, personally, for me, it's a no, 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 I, I won't. I mean, you never know, um, but I would never invest in, Building a house in Ghana. First of all, I think something that people need to um, understand about um, house and like invest. Because some people say, "Oh, unless you are don't unless you are um, buying to let, you know, and your property um, invest and you invest in property, you flip them. So obviously, you buy them really low and then you you sell them quite higher. If you just if you if you're talking about the house that's your first um it's your main residency, um. Despite the fact that the house um, value does go up with time, it's still not an investment because unless you sell that house, you're not making money out of that house. And you need somewhere to live. So you could buy a house that um, it goes lows, 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 up in value. But if you never sell that house because you need somewhere to live you're not cashing up anything you might have a lot of equity which is just equities like the money you have in the house you might have a lot of equity but because you're not selling it you're never getting anything out of it okay so personally for me um unless you're investing in properties in general so you're doing like don't viewing a house as an investment is something that it can be quite dangerous because where's the money it's not liquid you might never get it back if you don't sell it. So, but you do need a house personally, I think, because um, you don't want to carry on paying rent forever, unless you've got other plans. I mean, renting this buying is something that everybody talks about. I Me, mean, everybody talks about people I talk to talk about, and um, there's definitely you can you can like um, see why people would like to sometimes rent instead of buying because then you are you've got more money to invest okay but personally for me and it was definitely an emotional thing a psychological thing and more towards buy your property at least where you are staying um the second thing that I thought about so it's like you know okay so I don't want anything on my payroll and that doesn't even mean giving money to my parents or family it's even Things that I don't really need, you know, and you can really get in the on, and you can really get caught up on Netflix subscriptions. Um, uh, I don't even know those things because I just they're never gonna get my money. Amazon bad.
2: Prime, Amazon
0: Prime, um, just fab.
2: I'm Apple just music, I, just oh my god, god, Publetics, so much, that's even,
0: me. <laughs> even YouTube Premium, please never skip the ad and watch it free. Um, <laughs> never get trapped, but you think oh they're bringing a service to me I mean don't get me wrong before I start I want to really um, make this clear that the first thing everyone should do before they start going into a financial journey is to sit down and understand the difference between riches and wealth I think there's a massive difference wealth comes with peace of mind comes with healthy relationships comes with a healthy body and healthy way of managing money and that can be, I mean, you could have billions and billions in your bank account and you're still miserable. Are you wealthy? I don't think so. You could have 50 pounds in your bank account, but you are managing that money well. It's giving you happiness. You sleep, you got peace of mind, you're flourishing. I think you're wealthy. OK, so first of all, identify what brings wealth in your life. Because that, when you do that, money becomes a tool for you. You're not controlled by money anymore, you see. What I did, I remember when, when after I went to Alifas and they told me, honey, you can't afford anything. I went back into my room. I was renting um, um, a shared, it was like a, a complex of flats, and then you would share the kitchen. So I could remember, there was always noise, but that day I couldn't hear any of that noise because I was so much into my own thoughts. And I was like, so, what actually really brings me happiness, you know? Because I wanted to identify those things and invest in them. And the funny thing is I personally like easy things. Like I like hiking. So they're mainly free because the mountains are there. All you have to do is get yourself there. I like spending time with my family. I really wanted to develop my relationships with my um, friends, families, and even repair some maybe broken relationships. But I needed time to do that. And I was just coming from years of intensive training where I wasn't seeing anyone. I was most of the time in my uh, placement workplace, doing my logbook, book, this, that, that. So I realized how much for me to be wealthy, um, I needed to regain that control of money back in a way that money was a tool for me to improve those aspects in my life that I wanted so for example being able to spend time with my family how can I do that forward maybe I would like to retire early how can I do that let me look into how I can retire so I always looked into my pension how much I was contributing I didn't even know how much I was contributing. How does pension work? Um, How much am I gonna get out of it? What age can I retire? Is it too early? Is it okay for me? Is it too late? Obviously, it was too late for me. (laughs) So I needed a plan B. Before I can get into my pension, I need, Money that allows me to have free time because I'm not trading my time anymore for money. How can I get that money? That's when I started learning about investing, about um, you know using money to make money. And that's the only difference because the thing is, you, as a human being, your body needs to rest. You can be a, you 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 can trade as much of your time as you want, but you need to rest. Money doesn't get tired. Money can work twenty four seven. You just need to use your money to make money. That's, that's the trick. I remember I used to have a wardrobe full of clothing that I would never wear. Or oh, shoes. I had plenty of shoes. I mean, it's not a crime. I still love my shoes. Um, but definitely, I do buy things if they do make me happy. I've got a very minimalistic view of life in general. What makes you wealthy um, is worth pursuing. Sometimes what makes you rich is not always worth pursuing. Because, I mean, you could work for hours and get lots of money are you happy at the end of the day
2: definitely uh, you have to prioritize and i guess maybe it's worth the, the point saying that before you even venture on any of this as you mentioned because we've come from such a it's it's harsh to say but poverty mentality where because oh, yeah. you lacked you then rush into everything that, like, the funny thing with me is um, I'm lactose intolerant, right? Mm. I remember that when I was growing up, um, the one thing that I said I was absolutely always going to have was peak milk. (laughs) Priorities. Priorities. I grew up in Ghana where, like, literally, my life was calculated for every hour, right? And one of the things that I knew that I needed more of that I wasn't getting was that peak milk in peak my hair. <laughs> and I wasn't getting it. So when I got to uni, yeah, the thing that I went overboard with was yogurt, like mula yogurt. Every single time you come to my to my house, you'd find that in the fridge and the milk. And that was like bad for my health. But yeah. at the day, I'm fighting that urge to have. Intolerance. Yeah. And it's that thing of when I grow up, I'm gonna do all of the things that I was restricted from doing. And what that does is, first, it it builds that attitude towards spending that is quite unhealthy, just buying for the sake of buying or being emotionally driven to buy. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But secondly, as you said, especially those of us who went to uni and had access to that free money, Mm -hmm. you end up in debt. And that debt can follow you.
1: Yeah, it's interesting that you say that. That we grew up with this poverty mentality, so some of us will will rush into the buying the things that they couldn't afford. I think mm-hmm. it's slightly really different in the sense that because I I grew up with a poverty mentality, I save like a squirrel. Like I save. Oh like, wow! No, no, but like, but then, right now, the saving is not is not bringing anything. No. There's no. Yeah. Um, right. The, the banks don't really provide good interest rates so basically your money is being withered away right? Exactly. So exactly. I don't have that uh, perspective about well, I think my saving is more is more about me being afraid. Okay, it's still it's still emotional. Being poor
2: again, yeah.
1: It's me I'm being afraid of being poor again. So yeah, let let me let me let me put that aside for mm-hmm. um, for rainy days. But then that is not savvy either. That's not smart. So teach me. <laughs> I, think,
0: I think okay. So we've touched really two good points here: getting rid of debt and being scared of rainy days and saying I want to be safe. Both things are really good. So. When I started, I mean, I was quite good after I paid my credit card. What happened back in uni? I was really scared of credit. So I didn't really get myself into much trouble or I didn't have big debts that I had to pay off. But the first thing I did is get rid of my debts or being able to anyway manage them as Winnie's saying so I would pay what petrol with my credit card and pay off so apart from that which is get rid of your debt the next step actually Pina you're actually right you need to have an emergency fund okay that gives you such an emotional and um, stability and relationship um, and healthy relationship with money because you're not scared anymore that you won't have that money because you know you got your sinking fund there. So if anything goes bad, you just tap into that money. And then when things go back to good or normal, you just um, put it back. This can be done if you obviously haven't got debt. Because if you've got a massive debt, okay, and you've got emergency money, what's the point? That debt is an emergency payoff. Now, how much money do you need for an emergency money it's totally personal what I advise is to get have at least three to six months of uh, you know your monthly expenses Um, so you need to know your outgoings, you need to know your income and you need to know uh, you need to know more or less your spending habits as well you know so um, the important thing about emergency money though it's not luxury money you know it's not that, oh, I've seen this product bag. Uh, it's such an emergency. Let me go and buy it. And it's not also, um, the, it's, re- it's, le- it's really the amount of money you would need if you were out of work. If you're out of work, you're not going out to eat. You're not um, trying to keep up with your friend who gets paid 100K a year. If you're out of work, you're staying indoor, you need your pasta and your shit and your egg. <laughs> But honestly, if you are, how much money would you need uh, if you were out of work for a month? Multiply that by three, six, depending on your circumstances, okay? If your work is quite stable and you're quite young, you could probably do three months. If you've got a family, if you've got children, you know, according to your situation, I will say have more of a buffer, depending on uh, your situation. But I think three months expenses, Put aside as emergency money, um, that that gives you that peace of mind. And also actually, once you've done that, you will realize that the extra money that I'm putting in the saving account as cash, it could be used for anything else. And guess what? Investing is a good idea.
2: I totally agree. Um, Something that I don't particularly do well with is the odd things that are not monthly, for example. So Mm um they are actually monthly so I'm, I'm gonna bring it to religion now right mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. In, in church you've got the type that you mm-hmm. need to pay mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you've got a building fund that you may need to pay mm-hmm. you've got dues that you need to pay mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you may have the odd um sunday birthday mm-hmm. that you need mm-hmm, to do and these are all things that and not quite accounted for in my budget, uh-huh. so what have then happens is a rolling effect. That yeah, those things that aren't accounted for, you didn't budget for them, so you didn't have the money for them. So, where do I take that money from? My emergency fund, but it's not quite, it's, it's not, not, an, not emergency. an emergency
0: So, um, for legion wise, uh, oh, definitely, I, I mean, I grew up as a general witness most of my life, anyway. Um, so It's interesting because they actually really do believe that um, you should um, not obviously have a lot for money. Okay, so love of money, they don't say it's the root of all evil, but obviously they say don't store too many riches on earth. Store it in advance, obviously your time, as much as you can, try to preach the good word and um, do good to others. Um, So I always grew up, Around uh people that money was never really sh- a show off thing. So, you know, I mean, I knew some people who were probably wealthy um in the congregation, but um they were there was never like a showing off or boosting about the fact that they, they were wealthy and they were sh- they would share very easily and comfortably. Even people who didn't have much would share. But then obviously I married a Pentecostal man and I've been to a stretching of and um, <laughs> uh, you know, I was shocked once because, like, uh, maybe it wasn't even his church. Um, when I say Pentecost, I mean you know all the branch of um, um, of Pentecostal church well i mean, African Pentecostal. Um, and obviously you would have the pastor teaching like, and you not when a Range Rover, grab a Range Rover, claim your Range Rover. You're gonna drive a Range Rover. You're gonna be shouting, shouting, and people are you know going on with this. Going on with it, and it was a complete shock for me because there was first of all, I come from a really quiet background when it comes to um, worshiping and you know quiet time and stuff, and then it was really loud. But people were also also claiming this, thing, especially in the New Year. You know when they have like the risa
2: risa risa. Where what? <laughs> uh-huh. They are in heavenly places. Okay, and and you can't <laughs>
0: deny they had that. I mean, personally for me, but I've noticed that there's such a um, a correlation between worshipping God and waiting for the reward with most of the time, it should be wealth. and um, Obviously, I, that church is filled of people who migrated, lived their house to get to a better um, economical situation, social status. So obviously that mentality and that focus is already there i'm not sure how different it would be if i went to a church a pentecostal church or you know typical ghanaian church in ghana it could be different but there's a lot of emphasis on getting rich getting money um which is fine i mean if that's what you need it is fine the only problem i think is that um Sometimes it's seen as a reward, so you you pay your tithe to not that you don't sabeka, like um, you know, just oh, what was it? It's in the it's a throw it's your a
2: yeah, yes. yeah yeah throw your bread right you, upon you, the waters yeah, yeah yeah yeah
0: you will get more in return or you you will get back what you've given. Um, it's taken too literally sometimes. I think in uh, in in. in the way I've seen it sometimes you know it's literally people will be by the way I'm giving this money they will be showing it and then putting it in the basket whatever or they pass sometimes we can call them and praise them for doing that um personally I think a good balance obviously because then it's almost a competition sometimes you see people get chased to pay their tights don't know the economical situation. You don't know what they're going through. Um, you can you can pay tight in so many ways, okay? Uh, And you will come get back in so many ways. The problem of encouraging people, um, with that, there's not wrong, but you're not giving them any tools in doing that. There's so many practical um, um, counsels and um and and tips in the Bible on how to actually, uh, get rich or be wealthy. You know what I mean? It does say it's in Proverbs that if you have debts, you're slave to the lender. If you translate it, don't don't overspend on your credit card. Don't go and take a loan in the bank to build your house, and then you you're not eating. You're slave to that lender. You're slave to that bank. You know what I mean? Or don't store riches in. in I mean, obviously you should. I mean, with the house, thing, for example, it's a good thing that they're buying homes. They're they're building houses in Ghana but you're storing riches somewhere else where the teeth will come and take it. Jesus said that in Matthews, you know. They build these houses. They don't live in it most of the time. They're not realistic with it because they can never leave the European system of the healthcare provided in Europe. So they are going back and forth, okay? Someone else is claiming their house. Some people have built houses that they're not even able to live in. They will say, or someone is doing them to do all these days, if only you maybe built your wealth a bit closer to you and had a look at it. Nothing is stopping you from selling maybe your house in the future that you bought here. And trust me, you'll probably make more money from selling a property in UK and then buying a house in Ghana when you're ready to move. But you've stored your riches somewhere else and someone has stolen it. It's all in the Bible. But unfortunately, it doesn't that you know we take sometimes take things too literally and we don't realize that we should be able to apply it in a different way um not in a different way but try to
1: translate that to modern life and practical tips so then the for the people who do want to store their ideas in (laughs) closer to them so that (laughs) no one steals (laughs) it places close by um how do you start investing Okay,
0: so I just want to repeat this. You need to not have bad debts, okay? Mm-hmm. Have your emergency money before you start investing because the market is volatile and you will lose short term sometimes. So once you've got all that in check, the first thing you need to invest in is in yourself. Okay, so if you are getting minimum wage and you think you can actually make a bit more by taking that course or starting this little niche that you learned, do that, invest in yourself. If you've done that and you are employed, look into your pension. Because, obviously, um, they do match up your contribution. Uh, if you can match up to 15%, it's actually good for a simple reason. It's pre-taxed. So, um, whatever money you can keep pre-taxed is more money. Because after tax, it's a huge cut, okay? So, look into your pension, invest into yourself. After you've done all that, have a life insurance. After that, you can... You know, you might think that all these things are not investing, but you're actually investing in yourself, okay? After that, I will say the best thing to do, because um, it can be quite daunting. Oh, what should I invest in? Don't bother picking individual stocks. Personally, this is my personal uh, strategy. Don't bother picking individual stocks, looking for which stock um, is better than the other. Because unless you have, if you have the time, to read upon each um, company return for the gains for the past five, 10 years, be my guest to do that and then bring the information back to me. Um, and I will invest in it. But if you don't have that time, the best thing for me is index fund. So obviously with stocks, what are stocks at the end of the day? It's simple, let's say you pay and a half a company and um, you're selling, you literally, you've divided the ownership of that company in many pieces. And you're telling me for 20 pounds, you can have one third of my company. That's literally a stock. Okay. So how do I determine the value of your company? It's how much well you're doing in the market. So if you're making a lot of money, okay, I'm making a lot of money because the value of that company is going up. That's tracking the market. So if your company is doing well, this, the share that I have is doing well. Do you, do you get what I mean? Because the, 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 the value of that stock is going up. Then you can have dividends with that. So you can tell me as well, apart from you having a, a part of my company, every month I'll pay you this amount. Okay. So these this are ways of making money through the market. It's very difficult to determine which comp. I mean, it's not very difficult. We've we got some classic companies that kind of do well all the time. Coca-Cola, they're defined as blue chip stocks, which are like chips um, stocks that do well all the time. Coca-Cola, you know, all those big companies, Johnson's and Johnson's, whatever, they do well most of the time, all the time. I mean, I don't see us ever stopping drinking Coca-Cola, unfortunately, so it will always do well, but um, it's, ve- it's, it's very time consuming. For someone who's just starting in investing, I will say by um, um, index funds, water funds, they are a, a group of stocks, okay? Obviously, a group of stocks can be grouped in different ways. It can be according to the areas. So it can be tech stocks. It can be house stocks, whatever. The best thing to do, I think, is to invest. I mean, if you think about it, if you want to make money, And uh, you need to take, you're putting money on something, saying, I think these people are going to do well. You probably put money on companies that you know they're top hands. That's why you can invest in 4100. That's the best companies in UK. And they get, they need to, they qualify according to certain criteria. So if they make well, they get into that um, group. Okay. So as long as you're investing in that, you're always on top. Do you know what I mean? And it's tracking the market. So as long as the market is doing well, you are doing well. And if within that group of um, stocks, um, those companies pay dividends even better. Most of them do, because obviously it's a way of encouraging people to invest. Big companies that do well do pay dividends. So you get get dividends, you get a bit of money for, for buying a stock, for being part of that. And the best thing is to then reinvest it. The platform that I personally really like is Vanguard Life Strategy Vanguard. I will always recommend that because it's for, it's the investment for the lazy but the smart. From what I've explained, you can understand that stocks are quite volatile because if if you're not if your company is not doing well, the value of your of my share is going down and you might even not be able to pay me any dividend anymore. Okay, but with the lifetime strategy from Vanguard what you're doing is you can decide the the percentage of stock and bonds that you want okay i've explained stocks bonds are um, a loan that you're giving to companies so i'm telling um, let's say i gave you 100 pounds and you pina you've guaranteed me that you're giving me 15 percent interest on that so you can understand how if we are younger i will say people between 20 to 50 with a good working prospect you know so the average person will probably work till their assist, unfortunately T- um 20 to 50 if you can buy life strategy vanguard or there are different other uh, platforms that do offer life strategy it's just a wrap of stocks and bonds 80 percent stocks because you, you are so young that you can take the risk of loss sometimes with the stock but you've got 20 of bonds which are very secure okay invest to the for the long run pull that money in you can have what 100 pounds going in every month i mean the more you invest the more you see the compound interest but um invest in in that monthly forget about it for 20 30 years I don't want to guarantee because you can never guarantee in the market. If you really want to be basic with it, I will say life, strategy, in this fund, track the market. It's already diversified, so you don't even have to go and pick individually which stock, blah, 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 you're going to invest in. 80% um, stocks, 20% bonds with reinvested dividends so you don't see that money coming in you reinvest it in your um in your portfolio i think that's that's a really way good point to start okay learn how to make your money work
1: i will definitely park that money somewhere I, i'm talking <laughs> as if i had like some <laughs> There.
2: And that's, a, that's oh, what? the point I wanted to make, actually. Like, a lot of people think that they need to put a huge sum of money. First yeah, of all, it's what you can afford. Secondly, um, if you can't get to the vanguards, because sometimes the vanguards have management fees that you need to pay. Mm, you know, mm, some mm. Of cap. And we're UK-based, so we're going to talk UK. But... Mm. Um, Uh, there are things called robo advisors Mm -hmm. so I use one called wealthify where Mm -hmm. I literally put in 50 pounds a month Mm -hmm. right Mm -hmm. Um, and they invest in the different Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. for me so again it's lazy work right but yeah yeah the 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 robo um, advisor basically select what's doing well and then they would invest yeah. money for you yeah too.
0: they're literally tracking the market exactly. that's the same thing they look yeah. at which um company does well and they put your money there and that's and that's the main thing you don't want to be wasting time predicting what the market is there are exactly. people that study ages and ages yeah. to predict the market and yet they can't beat the actual market and exactly. um, there are studies that show that so How can you, I mean, how can I, with little knowledge on how to predict the market? To be fair, I don't even care. I don't want to learn how to, I've got so much that I want to learn. Predicting the market is not something I want to do. If I knew that was essential for my returns, I would. But studies have shown that actively managed portfolios and passively managed portfolio make the same, or sometimes the passive managed portfolio make even more. Because you're just tracking the market
2: exactly so please start with as little as you can 50 pounds a month that is for me what used to be hair and nails I mean I still get my (laughs) hair treated because it's part of my entertainment money yes yes I can afford to get my hair done
0: exactly.
2: it brings me happiness so it's part of that wealth that we're that's doing. good that's uh, good do, do you get what I mean so mm-hmm. still invest as little as you can into mm-hmm. something that you don't if you don't understand it just mm-hmm. a mm-hmm. I would definitely recommend that and then you could obviously look at um the, the more established mm-hmm. um funds that um that irene was referring to which are some of the vanguards, and then lastly i think what you've mentioned here irene which is mm. very important for me to sort of highlight is the fact that you know in terms of the money that you invest in a lot of people do this thing where they think of trading mm. and they think that they're gonna get money straight away so mm. you see a lot of people talk about cryptocurrency as oh, yeah. It, oh yeah oh yeah Mm-hmm. it's the gold mine right like this is how much I've made and this is, and they think they're going to make the money now but mm-hmm. investing is long term I'm not mm-hmm. thinking that you know I'm going to get that money back today mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I know that it's a 20-year affair it's a 30-year affair and the later you leave it mm-hmm. it's now a 10-year affair it's now a 15-year affair when you yeah. would have had maybe 30 years to save that money and if you think of compound interest interest yeah yeah the, the later you leave it the less time you have to compound so exactly. um exactly. your mindset should be uh similar to the one that we have in religion which is mm-hmm. that which is one day i'm gonna get that <laughs> that, that really that's how you
0: translate that isn't it that's exactly day, what gonna, talking that about. money
2: and it's pension it's all about pension when i calculated my pension Um, Just to be candid, um, I will be getting, if I only paid 3% into my pension pot, I will be getting £650,000 in my pension pot, right? And if you think about how much money you earn, let's say the average person earns 30K a year, Mm -hmm. if I retired at 60, 650K, equates about 21k a year which means that i'll be earning less per year Mm -hmm. than what i currently earn which means Mm -hmm. that pension time i'm poorer Mm -hmm. if i didn't buy a house then i'm still paying rent i'm still potentially paying for transport right Mm -hmm. um now i've got health issues god forbid Mm -hmm. but with age comes Mm We don't think about pension as a destination when actually the house that you're talking about, when you buy it, pension is also in sight. That one day at 65, you don't want to be asking your child who you've brought up in England or in Italy to be paying that for you. Mm -hmm. It's paid for and they can come and live in it for free Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. save some money. So Irene, this has been such a... an insightful one it is it? insightful we've been, yeah. we've been to school we've been taught we've got the lessons right the library is opened the library is okay <laughs> category is academia <laughs> I, love I love it I love that I think it gave me
1: so much insight so much knowledge and I'm definitely going to make some choices
0: <laughs> yeah it's all a matter of choices intellect and what what matters
1: to you that's yeah. it definitely definitely and uh this was a free workshop for y'all <laughs>
2: <laughs> this is pizza mm-hmm. and come wine isn't it yeah,
1: yeah. yes
2: and i love how- i
1: love
0: your podcast i mean when Winnie asked me to come i was like really <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, I'm gonna some- i mean she knows because i because i've told her before that i loved it and i didn't even know you guys were related when i said that so was really it was a- yeah. from the
2: eyes can't you <laughs> Yeah, but maybe yeah. <laughs> Thank you for listening to Pizza and Palm Wine Podcast. Please subscribe, rate, and give us a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Share this episode with your uncle, your auntie, or your bestie. Listen, they all
1: need to hear this. Let's continue the conversation on Instagram at pizzaandpalmwine, or drop us an email at pizzaandpalmwine@gmail.com. at gmail.com. Until next time, arrivederci. Ciao.